You guys know how supporting local business is in our blood. We're super excited to tell you about Denver Rubber Company, and it may not be what you think it is. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. Since 1972, Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing, and custom hoses. And guess what? Snow has already arrived, and we've already seen a good amount of it on the ground. You'll need Denver Rubber Company when it comes to anything snow plows. DRC can cut to size and pre-slot most snow plow rubber. The blades can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet your exact specifications. We went and checked out their warehouse about two months or a month and a half ago now, and it was just straight up dope. These guys have created proprietary materials that make up the inside of wind turbine blades and even have machines that are capable of cutting pieces that go inside bulletproof vests. Remember, Denver Rubber Company custom makes everything and you can purchase products for yourself and of course buy bulk at a fantastic rate. They're a family-owned business with loyalty only to the people, just like us here at DNBR. Be sure to call them today for any snowplow needs, custom gaskets, hoses, etc. at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com/dnvr and tell them who sent you. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole. A left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon. Cole J.T. Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. You can visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations and use their express checkout to get in and out as fast as possible. Or you can get on your phone right now and go to their website, mygreensolution.com, to order your flour, concentrates, edibles, and topicals there. And you can use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley. We are back with another Friday episode answering your questions. Let's not waste any time with this one. Let's just jump right into some of these. Number one, a bit of a fun one coming from Jonathan. You get to change, add, remove one rule to the NHL to make the sport silly. What would you change? For example, I would start the game with a team relay race around the rink. The winning team would get to choose what goalie the other team uses for at least the first period. I a silly rule a silly rule the other team gets to choose shootout shooters oh that's fun I like that one I would go with hmm, I'm not sure what would trigger it but some kind of a multi-puck thing oh yeah like like a pinball <laughs> yeah exactly like some something happens on the ice and all of a sudden like two other pucks shoot out of the boards and now there's three pucks on the ice and you have to try to follow everything <laughs> that just sounds too much yeah no if you're getting into like blurns ball territory at that point <laughs> yeah i mean that's i almost sound tired just thinking about <laughs> that chaos 
having to try and score that at yeah. the end of the game. Right. <laughs> I mean, hey, it would be exciting if not just total chaos. I mean, could could you imagine? I mean, like whatever whatever would trigger it, you would just be like like you'd give McKinnon one of the like the puck and then when it gets triggered, you'd be like, "Okay, Mac, go." <laughs> and then you give McCarr the other one and be like, "Okay, go." <laughs> I think we're I think we're set. What? Well, yeah. I mean, that would be brutal if like one team had possession of all three pucks at the same time. Like that goalie is so screwed. I mean, honestly, it might be easier to give them one of the pucks just to open up space. Yeah, that's true. And then they have some players going the other way. Exactly. And that way, you know, that way you're kind of like picking and choosing like, okay, there's three pucks on the ice. Like, how are we defending this? (laughs) Yeah, that I don't know. That one would get crazy, but just a little bit of a fun one to start off the show. There are a lot of trade rumors going on around the abs right now for various reasons. Obviously, one of the biggest one being all the injuries they've suffered. So we'll start with a question from Log Avs, who asks, should the Avs target someone via trade with Landis Gog being out a bit longer term? A guy like Kreider or dare I say Druin? Or do you see Joe sitting back to see how the forward depth plays out for now? Definitely seeing how it goes. Yeah. Uh, You didn't go out and spend all summer working on uh, tweaking your forward depth just a panic the second it gets tested. It's so, very true. You know, that's hundred percent. You just, you don't even worry. I mean, you just go out and, uh, you don't, you don't mess with what you got going on. You're fine. That said, uh, if it does not go well and Landy's injury looks like it's going to be long, long, long term, you know, three or four months, then, then you do it. Then, then you go out there and you start looking for, for guys that you could, um, try to, try to pick up team guys that teams would be willing to move on from. Yeah. I, with it sounding like Rantanen is is quite close. I think even, I mean, even really looking really. Yeah. Like, sure, whatever. Even, even just like two to three weeks, like yeah, that's less not, than a month. Exactly, that's not enough. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, of course, I say that, but if they lose every game in that time, then things can change pretty quickly. Exactly. Like if you suddenly wake up in two weeks and they're eight, eight, and two, then yes, okay, that's a problem. It's it's a bit tough. This early in the season, too, because what's available out there currently is is very up in the air because most teams, if not every team, believes that they're still in the race or in the hunt for the playoffs at this point. So not a whole lot of teams looking to give away their best players. Right. And teams aren't in cell mode yet because they're not out of it. Right. Minnesota may be the only team that is having that conversation of we might be done. <laughs> well, 
I can certainly drink to that. So it's time to take a second and acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR, and watching the Mild fail to actually win hockey games. They were established in Breckenridge, Colorado in 1990 and are the original Colorado beer. I'm sure you've heard of any number of their beers. I talk about a different one almost every single day on the show. But they're all amazing. You really cannot go wrong from the top to the bottom. Where you do, if you like a hoppy beer, you can go with their IPA, the Hot Peak. Or if you like a darker one, stick with their vanilla porter. And anywhere in between from the Strawberry Sky to just a plain old simple Avalanche Amber Ale. Really, they have a beer for every type of beer drinker. Or even if you don't like the beer that much, AJ can attest to they have a beer for you even too. So keep an eye out for any Breckenridge Brewery beer at your local Davidson's or any other local liquor store. And keep an eye on the DNVR.com and the Breckenridge event calendar. We have all of our events planned there. We actually have our next watch party scheduled for November 5th. It will be at the Pioneer over at DU. It should be an awesome time. And I can now confirm that we do have a keg of Breckenridge Brewery Christmas Ale coming to that event. So if you want to come have a lot of Breckenridge Brew, it will be there. Should be a great time. AJ, I know, will be covering the game in Dallas, but I'll be there hanging out and watching the abs. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Should be a fun night for everybody. Yeah, it's always a blast. The last one was great. And now at least the abs are on direct TV. So there is a, a real TV coverage of the game. Mm-hmm. So we'll have that as well. Hopping back in kind of sticking with this idea that the Avs are managing their lineup a little bit. A question from Cedus over on the DNVR.com says, I was hoping that Burakovsky would be moved up to the first line, but it seems like this won't be the case as they've had Kadri and Donskoy working that role so far. His issue on the caps was that he was always buried in the lineup, but do Bednar management or the general public see his ceiling as a definite second liner? And that's where he, he will be capped. I, I phrase that weirdly, but is Burakovsky a second liner or will he get an opportunity on the top line? I mean, they brought him in to be a top six guy somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and with two injuries in your top six, whatever threat there might have been of him dropping out of it is no longer there. Uh, Certainly not. (laughs) At least not right now. Not after he has like nine points in 12 games. So um, not, not something I'm really that concerned with. I don't, I don't have a problem with the fact that they didn't immediately move him next to McKinnon. uh, If you know that, that line scored two goals in its first game together. If it continues to find success, that probably won't change too much. Uh, if the if Jost and Burakovsky together uh, do not find any kind of success, then that has a chance to change. Uh, I I would think that in that in that situation, you're probably uh, moving Kadri back down as a center, and then maybe that's where Burakovsky ends up next to McKinnon, uh, and then you know whoever, you know, whatever happens from there. But I would say we're one game into this experiment without uh, Rantanen and Landeskog. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, if they really just can't get anything going tonight, we'll see the lineup change in the middle of the game. He won't just keep running out the same lineup. It's a bit of a give and take, isn't it? Because yes, obviously the second line didn't score the other night, but 
I thought Tyson Jost looked very, very solid as the 2C. He was doing a good job creating plays. He does his thing where he gets down in deep and can dig pucks and, and work it back out to people. Didn't put it in the back of the net, obviously, but it was encouraging for me, at least on Jost's side. I I did not think he had a very good game. There no, was the one really was nice bad. dig where he put the puck out in front of the net to Burkowski. Um, that was really nice, but I think I, that was that was the end of it for me. All right. I thought he was solid. He did the things he needed to do. Uh, obviously, there's a bit of an adjustment period moving into the top six for him. Oh, yeah. But I I thought Burakovsky was, was the weaker link of the two on the night. He was struggling with the puck. I think that um, there's so many moving parts. Very true. With I this mean, right a now, lot of adjustments. In, yeah. in the entire top six. Uh, yep. Really, with all these guys moving all over the place, that it's it's really hard to cast any kind of like judgment on any of this right away. So, definitely, very good point. Take it with a grain of salt. It's been one game. It's going to continue to kind of be a moving target as the Avs wait for people to get healthy. Yeah, oh. it is. It's and. You know, Burkowski could easily end up next to McKinnon by the end of tonight, to be honest. Yeah, it's certainly possible. It's the one part I'm a bit more interested to see how it develops. It looks like they're settling on Burkowski on that second unit. So I would like to see him get a little more opportunity to be the trigger man on that unit. Yeah, he's got to stop getting pucks in his feet. Yeah, I know. That's he he's ready. He has put himself in position. They move the puck around to open up that shooting lane and then he gets the puck and it's right in the middle of his body instead of out high where he wants it. And that's got to stop. I mean, whoever whoever it is, Gerard or McCarr, doesn't matter. Uh he's got to stop getting pucks in the middle of his in the middle of his feet. And he needs to get it away from him a little more. Yeah. Yeah, he was brought in to shoot. He's clearly a great shooter, as we've seen so far this season, but he's got to be set up for it correctly. Okay, we'll go ahead and wrap up our first segment there, and we'll look at a couple of other fun questions coming up here in the second segment. But first, as we get close to the holidays and a lot of people start traveling, there is a new way to make a little bit of money on the side here in Denver. Yes, that's right. Denver's newest travel hack is here. Drift shares locally owned cars with incoming travelers at Denver Airport for a better experience than car rental. Skip the chaos to save on time and fees when you book, or you can share your car to earn and park for free while you travel. Plus, there's no under 25 fee rule, so it's perfect for friends coming to visit for the holidays. And Drift is great if you're going home for break and perfect for extended travel like a semester abroad. Allstate Insurance covers your car every trip and Drift cleans it inside and out. Even if your car isn't rented out while you travel, Drift will still clean your car upon arrival. Get all the info on drivedrift.com. That's drivedrift.com. Second segment of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. I'm Rudo. He's AJ. It's technically November 1st, but we did have one question asking both of us, what was our best Halloween costume you ever had as a kid? I didn't dress up this year. I don't, I'll accept adult answers too if you've dressed up as an adult, AJ. Uh, Evan and I were talking about this uh, the other day, actually, and I was like, I don't think I've dressed up at all uh, since I was with my high school sweetheart back in 
back in the day. Yeah. When I was like 19 or 20. Yep. So who will be at the, uh, who's in Denver right now, actually. I'm, oh, really? I keep, yeah. Uh, I was hoping to see her sometime before I leave town, but I guess not. Well, what did you dress cool up as? Her, but um, no, I um, favorite thing that I ever dre- that I ever dressed up as when I was in like fourth grade, I was the blue M M&M. and M. Nice. And like my mom made this whole like M M&M and M costume, and it was awesome. And I kept it for years just because I liked it a lot. <laughs> so I thought uh, that was the coolest thing that I that I ever remember going as. Although one time. Um, I, I don't know what I was like going as, I don't remember what it, what the plan was, but I just remember wrapping my entire body in newspaper and going then going out as that going as a newspaper. <laughs> it was basically as a newspaper. Yeah. Cause I loved <laughs> reading the paper when I was a kid. Uh, and I wanted to work in, I wanted to work for a newspaper so badly. Uh, I loved waking up in the morning and reading the paper every day and, and, reading all the different stories and all that. I, that was all I ever wanted to do with my life was working at work for a newspaper. And so one year I remember I just wrapped my entire body in newspaper and my parents were like, okay, I mean, as long as you can see and you can breathe and you're safe, like you're, this is fine with us. <laughs> That's kind of awesome. So um, that and an m M&M. I like both of those. <laughs> I have a couple that I I liked as a younger kid. I got to go as the White Power Ranger one year. Oh, and that was awesome. Oh, I love it. it. Like in retrospect, it was a terrible costume to wear on like Halloween night because it's basically just a bunch of white spandex that's super thin and like you're freezing the entire night. But I love the Power Rangers as a kid, so I thought I was like the coolest kid out there that entire night. And then as a high schooler, I'm not a very DIY type person, but I had to one year go as a Rudolph. My last name is Rudolph. So I like busted out a clown nose and took one of my sister's hair thingies. I don't even know what they're called. The little thing that, that girls put in their hair that like goes down to your ears. I terrible explanation, but I tied a bunch of like, uh, pipe cleaners to it to get give myself antlers and win as Rudolph. And then as a kid in college, one year, me and my roommates went to the dollar store on Halloween just to buy costumes, just to mess around with. And I just bought this super cheap magician's costume. And after I bought it, I realized that this was for like very, very small children. So I ended up walking around with a magician's cape that went down from my neck to about my shoulder blades and a top hat that was way too small for my head. Awesome. (laughs) So most of my costumes that I like are just mistakes for the most part. I'm all about that. That (laughs) That sounds classic. Like, like that's just like silly hijinks. Yeah, like it just kind of <laughs> happened and you have to roll with it. <laughs> I'm hey. all about it, man. That's great. Yeah. Just try to have a little fun, I guess. Well, that's what the holidays are for, right? Yeah. All right. Back into Ab's questions. This is another rumor that has been circulating a lot, and I don't understand where it's coming from. You and I have talked about it off air a couple of times. But Jake asks, there's rumors about the Avs trading for Carey Price. Oh, jeez. 
first of all, he asks, what would you do to make this happen? And I think the answer for both of us is nothing. They but, would have to give. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> like, give us, give the abs Caulfield. Yeah, to take on that contract. Like, Kimmy, yeah. It just doesn't. I don't, again, I don't know where the rumor is coming from, but this doesn't make sense for the app, especially the way Grubauer has played so far this season. It really makes no sense. Why would you trade for, why would you trade? Because you'd have to trade Grubauer to get him. Like, that would be part of it. Why would you trade a goaltender who is, what, he's 27, 28 right now? Somewhere in that range. I think he's 28. I'm looking it up real quick just to see. Thirty-two. Oh, he turns he turns twenty-eight this month. Oh, Grubauer, you mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Carey yeah. Price, I know, is thirty-two. Yeah, well over thirty. Um, so. so why would you trade a twenty-eight-year-old goaltender with two years left, including this year, at three million dollars? Um, who is obviously in line for a significantly larger deal if he continues to play really well this year? Uh, for for a goaltender who is thirty-two years old. And has one of the worst contracts in the league. He is 32 years old at $10.5 million in just the second year of the eight-year deal. So there are six years remaining at $10.5 million after this. I'm not, no. Not even one for one does that make sense to, is- to make that trade. It just doesn't make sense. Carey Price has not been healthy enough. He's not been good enough. It just does not make any sense. The last good season, like, Carey Price was solid last year. 66 games, 249 goals against average, and a 918 save percentage is rock solid. If I could get that from Philip Grubauer, if I guarantee that I could get that from Philip Grubauer today, I would take that. Yep. But I'm not paying $10.5 million for it. That is not $10.5 million production. If you're getting that kind of money, you have to be competing for the Vesna. It has to go back to the carry price that we saw before he started dealing with some of these crazy injuries where he was consistently in the 920s. And then that one year, obviously, where he was way up over 930 and was just dominant. Yeah. I That's mean, if you're in a half million, if you're not the best goalie in the league, 10 and a half million is too much straight up. And looking at what his current rate is, there's zero reason to even consider him over Grubauer at a price point. Even when Grubauer gets a significant raise, raise it won't be in the ballpark of $10.5 million. No, it should be a lot more in the like 6-7 range. Yeah, way closer to John Gibson's deal than prices. Right. And that, I mean, geez, geez John Gibson's deal is such a sweetheart deal. Right. On the flip side, we've talked about, boy, what we wouldn't give up to lock up John Gibson. Right. Like, if you want to trade for a goaltender, it's like Grubauer. I would give up Colorado's first next year. And then pretty much any prospect they wanted that is not Byram. Boy. And to be honest with you, I would consider Byram. Yeah. For John Gibson on his current contract. Yeah. You know, assuming there's... He continues to play as he has, which he's the most consistent goalie in the league. It would hurt, but right. You but give I mean, up John Gibson. That's eight year deal. It's six point four million dollars, and he's twenty six years old, and uh, he's he's been nothing but stellar. 
in his in his NHL career. The only question mark has been in the postseason, but which is like a it's it's not like oh no not a big deal at all there, you know it's it's not like well how it's how is he on faceoffs you know it's like being able to perform in the postseason matters so obviously that's a big deal but. John Gibson's been nothing but elite. Like that would be that would be one where I, if you're going to try to make an upgrade at goaltender from Philip Grubauer, given the volatility of that position, John Gibson is like the only guy that I would have on that list. Yeah, and he's the type of player that I'm very adverse to trading four pieces to make your team better in the immediate during the season. Yeah, but he's one that I asked the question, if you make this trade, does it make you a cup favorite? And I think it does. Oh God. Yeah. So if you could, hard if you to could say do no that to without really touching too much of your NHL roster, because right. like Byram is obviously your top prospect. Uh, you given up a first round pick. You could give up another prospect and then you're giving up Grubauer as well. Like that's, yeah, that's, I mean, shit, now that, now that I'm saying this out loud, I'm like, I wonder if Anaheim would even consider something like that. If I'm Anaheim, I wouldn't. But, at the, of course, but at the same time, I don't know, Grubauer's no no slouch, man. And to He's get, not. To get, to get that on top of it, to get Byram and, and maybe another piece, boy, I don't know. That's, anyway. We're, Often rumor speculation lands right, to the but back, that's what right the now. question was about. Was was very price, and we're like we're both like hell no. So let's talk about what we would do. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, because if you look around the NHL, there's very few goaltenders I would legitimately have long term interest in um, that would represent a clear upgrade over Philip Grubauer. I, you know, like maybe maybe take the chance on Carter Hart, and even then. That's a huge chance that you'd be taking. I mean, any young goalie is just a huge chance by default, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. It's I mean, look at Connor. So look, look what they're dealing with in Winnipeg with Connor Hellebuck right now. Yeah, exactly. You just, like you said, the reason Gibson is so enticing is because of the consistency. Yeah. There are less than a handful of goalies in the NHL that you know what you're getting out of every single year. Right. And like some of the guys that I would really see have serious interest in like a Vasilevsky or a flurry, like there would be no incentive whatsoever for cup contending teams to move those guys. Whereas Anaheim is in that kind of position where they're like, well, what are they, you know? And could they, could they maybe capitalize on major, a major piece in a Gibson while he's in his prime to, to, to truly set them up for something special instead of continuing to just hum along as like, well, they're okay. And he ends up being the league's best goaltender for the next four years for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it that's, I mean, that's one of the most frustrating things with goaltending too, is you can have a great one that the team is just never able to build the offense in front of to get somewhere and look at Pecorine. Yeah. It's one position that is so, so important, and yet having the best one sometimes isn't enough. Yeah. Well, and I mean, we, we look at the Sharks as a great example. They weren't, they haven't been able to get that guy. Yeah. And they've, they've burned through now multiple, potentially multiple Hall of Fame careers 
that occurred simultaneously uh, and their inability to get the goaltending position right is what kept them from capitalizing on that. And that would be why you would go and do something crazy over the top for a guy like Gibson. And of course, like we say that and we're both totally fine with Philip Grubauer. Oh yeah. No, no complaints about group. He's been pretty much everything the abs have needed him to be so far this season. So with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up our, our second segment here. One final question here in it. Does Val Nachushkin get a goal or does he complete an entire season of games without one? Um, boy, I really <laughs> want to say it ends tonight. It's his old team. It's game 82. It feels a little I, bit like it was meant to be, right? It does, but I also – they're in Dallas on Tuesday. That's true. And that's the one where I'm like, ah, oh, I really – that would be the ultimate like, oh, right? Like in Dallas, I don't know. I, uh, I'm – I – it's impossible to really say. Of course. He, he gets it tonight. Screw it. He gets it tonight. It ends. It. I like the confidence. He gets Believe. the Riley Shea in 82, a game 82, two goal night. There you go. Perfect. On the nose. Boom. So for right now, until this happens, Val Nachushkin and I have scored the same amount of goals in the NHL over the past 81 games of his NHL career. But, He's in a slightly different tax bracket than I am when it comes to things. And there's a new alternative for addressing your tax needs here in Denver. Symbio Tax and Administration provides its clients with honest and knowledgeable tax services from a licensed professional. You guys know we're all about taking care of our own, and George over at Symbiotax is a proud DNVR subscriber and a diehard abs fan. Whether you have a small business, you're looking to rent out a room in your house, or you just need to get your tax return filed, go to a qualified professional to understand your tax requirements. Don't end up at one of those local retail tax chains. Call Symbiotax today for a free consultation at 720-366-4470 or visit them at Symbiotax. Tax.com. That's S-Y-M-B-I-O-Tax.com. Third and final segment of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution with Rudo and AJ. Shout out to Mary Pace, who I think this is the third or fourth show of questions in a row that she's had a question on. She asks, how does Z's latest big hit compare to the Shifley hit? And also, how many pets does he now have in his collection? And I kind of want to expand this to... What are Z's best hits of all time so far? The Shifley hit was... Yeah, it, it's number one still for me, too. It was because, it, one, it's open ice. And I think that's a harder hit to make. Um, two, the caliber of player just made that so memorable. Yep. Uh, and the fact that Jacob Truba jumped in from behind and Patrick Laine tried to fight him and like, like the entire, and that, that night alone, uh, Zadorov had one by one worked his way through that top line that they had yeah. that night. He had uh, already made two large hits in that game before yeah, he'd he destroyed already, Shifley. Exactly. He'd rocked Shifley once. Uh, he rocked Blake Wheeler once and he rocked Andrew Kopp once. 
and then got Shifley the second time, and that's the one that we remember. Uh, that is the all-time Nikita Zadorov game to this date, in my opinion. Um, I would say the hit last night was pretty similar two nights ago. Pretty similar, uh, just in the fact that, I mean, he just rocked that guy. Yeah, Howard look took it pretty bad. Yeah, um, and it was did a we get any health update ice. on him, by the way? I haven't seen one. We can check, though. Yeah. Uh, I It was similar to that one. I think appropriate for tonight's game, number two hit for him for me might be the open ice one he put on Ben last year. Mm-hmm where he just absolutely laid him out in the center of this neutral zone. Mm-hmm. So this one probably could fit into that top three conversation as that third one for me, but it's just fun to watch him blow people up in general. <laughs> I mean, the entire San Jose series where Evander Kane just kept trying. Yeah. And Zadorov just kept rocking him. And if you're getting into that, the playoff stuff, He's done a great job against Sam Bennett as well. Yeah. I mean, the Predator series, they were, yeah. they were all over him, man. Yep. Um, do, do you remember the one he got called for interference? Um, and I think it was game six when they were, they were getting rocked. And it was, uh, he got called for interference when the guy had the puck. It was it was the worst interference call imaginable, <laughs> and uh, it didn't. I mean, it didn't end up mattering because you know obviously they they got blown out in that game and it wasn't all that competitive. But that was a really big hit. That inter- he got called for interference because I think Nashville was upset and yeah. and I think the referees were. The, the game had started to get out of hand and right. uh, they were afraid of that game really losing control. Yeah. That, you know, with one team facing elimination, they're like, F this, you know, we're going to go all <laughs> in or whatever. Um, so I, I do think that uh, that, that, that hit, I don't even remember who it was on, but it was, uh, he got called for interference. And it was, it was nonsense, but I definitely think that, yeah, it's always hard for me to compare playoff play to regular season type stuff, but you could definitely make a case for that as well. Uh, Howard, look, nothing official, but expected to miss at least a month. I think not confirmed, but the rumor around yeah. it was a broken clavicle. Yeah, they had the uh, they had the X ray machine open, uh, you know, as you would expect when I yeah. wandered by it, and I was like, ah, oh, man. So I hope he gets better. Right, of course. Hope he heals up soon and, you know, goes on with his career. Love the hit, but never wish injury on anyone. Yeah, don't want don't want that kid to go through what Kamenev has gone through. Exactly. Okay. Uh question for us now. Man, it was Farrell. an awesome hit though. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> you could watch a, a highlight reel of Zadorov hits for days and it would <laughs> never get old, man. <sighs> Anyway, but, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you're good. A question for us. Feral American asks, what is both of our favorite TV shows? I'll leave it up to you if you want to do all time or current. Do both. Sure. Um, I mean, I guess 
when you say all time, it's the first one that really comes into your mind is really the one that you should feel like is the best, right? Yes. The one that pops into your head first. So for me, that'd be Friday Night Lights. Okay. I've never actually watched it. Great writing. Um, It's supposedly about a small town in Texas and high school football, but it's really about the coach, his wife, their relationship, and how they navigate a bunch of crazy people in that town. Interesting. Uh, Great writing. Great acting. Love it. And the ending of it. You know, growing up in a in a small town in Texas, it t- it kind of resonates. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of things that I was able to relate to in it, and uh, I I definitely, you know, and knowing like my small town experience is very different, just because I lived, you know, twenty miles outside of a monstrosity in Houston, uh, and and like those that the show is in like like supposedly out in like West Texas, like where there's nothing going on. So, uh, but even then, you know, it, it resonated with me on so many different levels. Uh, current day, I would, and it's ending, but I would probably say the good place. I really, really like season one and two of the good place. Yeah. But at season three, it just wasn't my jam anymore. Got weird. Yeah. But I had to do some, it had to go somewhere. Right. I I get it. It just it doesn't fit as one of my all-time favorites. Yeah. Did not did not go uh did not did not go in a in a direction you were all aboard with. Yes, exactly. Um but you get it? don't take all the, don't all, the take all the trains my, uh, that go in between them all aboard. Well, I mean anyway. I I might not be the best opinion to follow because I am very, very well aware that I like bad television most of the time. <laughs> so one of my all-time favorites is Warehouse 13, which was a show on Sci-Fi Channel that is not a good show, but I loved it. Uh, it's about this secret organization that goes around collecting magical artifacts that are messing up the world. And they collect them and store them in a warehouse, kind of like that one scene from Indiana Jones where they they store the the uh, whatever it's called, not the Holy Grail, <laughs> from the fourth one at the beginning. Yeah, where, where <laughs> well, they're like, oh my gosh. Yeah, they. It's also in the first one. Indiana Jones and the the the, the Crystal Skull. It's a bad time. <laughs> well, it's the, it's in the first one too because uh, they store the they store it there. Oh, it's true. Uh, the Ark of the Covenant, that's what it is. Um, but yeah, they, basically someone made a TV show around this warehouse. And it, I really enjoyed it. It's really cheesy, but it I thought awesome. it, was, it was funny and the characters are super enjoyable. And it was also a show that I watched pretty religiously every week with my now wife when we first moved into this apartment that I've lived in for five years now. Mm-hmm. So I I kind of have nostalgic feelings about it. It it made this place feel like home, kind of. Um, is there like a genre of of show or movie that like you're just like a big sucker for? Um, like for me, I mean, it's it's any like treasure hunting. Like, not like I will I will get into anything where they're like, there's a treasure out there and we must hunt it. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, um, let's do that. A general action for movies will get me into it. Mm-hmm. For shows, I'm a sucker for war shows. Wait, 100%. Wait, 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 wait. 
Are you are you and I secretly both big Fast and the Furious fans? I mean, I like Fast and the Furious. Yes. Okay, we're cool. I I guess. Hmm. Does Band of Brothers count as a show, even though it's a miniseries? Yeah, totally. I would count a miniseries as a show. Yeah, because that wasn't probably like it was two favorite. episodes. There was a grip of them. Yeah, it went there on was ten for episodes. So definitely that's counts my as favorite show. show of all time for sure. Really? Yeah. Why war shows? I don't know. I just like them. I think it was probably Band of Brothers that kind of did it for me to get me into that type of thing. Okay. Especially ones like Band of Brothers where they have that like slight reality component to it where they'll be like, here's an episode of something based in reality. And then they'll have like some cutaways to people that were actually there. Like, this is what actually happened. Oh, dude, I, I will forever. You tell me something's based on a true story. I'm there. I'll see it. Yeah, that's true. That's a good one to sucker me in as well. <laughs> Uh, current. I don't know. I don't have a great one for current. I guess Billions is probably the best show that I'm watching on. I've got to pick this up. People tell me about it all the time, and I've just not done it yet. Uh, funnily enough, the the bad guy in the first couple of seasons is the play, same person that plays Captain Winners in Band of Brothers. Oh. Um, and then Paul Giamatti is, is the main character. So. Oh. I mean, Paul Giamatti's amazing. Yeah, I, I love him too. And then today, I guess I'll have to pick it back up. November first, season two of Jack Ryan just dropped on Amazon. So I like uh, Jack uh, John Krasinski. I just never got into it. Odd because it, I do like uh, so many of the the Jack Ryan like books, uni- yeah. like universe, yeah. It's, I don't know. He was a weird choice because it's not like the normal character I would expect out of him. Mm -hmm. But I like the first season quite a bit. So we'll have to see what the second season has to offer. Uh, One final question. You stated, the Avs stated, they want to call up another forward for the upcoming road trip. Mm expectations on who it will be. Are they looking at a TJ Tynan to just be a warm body in the press box? Or is there a chance for a prospect to get in here? Uh, I don't have any feel for how they are valuing anything down there right now. Fair. Um, I, like we've talked about previously, so many of the prospects have gotten off the slow starts uh, that I think it complicates it quite a bit. But uh, when they initial reaction, right? Um, I was sitting next to Evan when Bedner said that after the presser ended and everybody had left the room and we were all just kind of talking. I turned to Evan and I was like, it's tying in. Yes. <laughs> so that's kind of the feeling I got as well. Yeah. I think it'll either be honestly tying in or Greer. Yeah. I, I don't think the Avs should be afraid of sitting Greer in the press box at this point, just to get him onto the NHL lineup, especially because he's suspended in the AHL anyway. So, yeah. And maybe they just want him. Maybe there's more value for them and him serving that so that he can be available to them at any time, the rest of the season um, and not have to worry about extending that. 
because I assume the way that it would work is uh, we know he's eligible to play in the NHL despite the AHL suspension. But I I would assume that when he gets... Yeah, he has to be on the AHL roster for it to like tick down. Exactly. So he would have to sit out the six games anyway, even if you know he was up with the abs for six games that would not count. I was yeah, assuming that's right. how it worked. I knew I knew one half of that. I knew he was eligible to play in the NHL despite the AHL suspension. But I wasn't yeah. I was not sure. Um I'm I mean I just assumed that's how it would work. It would be stupid if it didn't, as I just headbutted my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> it's I just don't think there's very much for Greer left to gain from the AHL, so to me it doesn't really matter. Well, and that's how I felt coming into the season to be honest, was right. And, and the lack of success that we've seen out of Val Nachushkin, I'm just kind of like AJ Greer could have done exactly this. Yep. And with these injuries, we would be getting our first actual like, oh, AJ Greer is going to be in the lineup for a month. Like, look, and we've never seen that. So whatever. The ship has sailed. Um, I would say uh, I would expect it to either be Tynan or Greer is my guess. I think those are safe and correct bets. So we'll go ahead and end the show there unless you have final thoughts. Um, Diablo 4 looks amazing. BlizzCon rocked this year. <laughs> Fair. The show, The games look good. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not getting into any of the other stuff. If you want to talk to me uh, about Blizzard in Hong Kong, I have no, I have no interest. All right. Well, yeah. Diablo just kind of amazing. A... <laughs> <laughs> there you go. A lighthearted show. Maybe just a little bit of a reminder that the Evs are eight two and two, and that is a fantastic record. No need to burn the world down just yet. But we're going to go ahead and get out of here. As always, thank you for listening. The Avs play Dallas tonight and then in Arizona tomorrow, or are they at home still? In Arizona tomorrow. In Arizona. Yep. So, and then they will hang out in Arizona for three days. Yep, and then head to Dallas. Yep, or I will see them. So plenty of hockey still coming up. Thank you for listening. You will hear from us on Monday at the latest.